Welcome to God First with Brian C. Thomas, a program committed to encouraging you to put God first while viewing life through the window of the Bible. Now, in honor of the one and only true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, let's join Brian C. Thomas for today's message. Welcome, brothers and sisters in Christ. So glad you could join me once again this week. Well, if you are a lover of truth as I am, you are going to enjoy today's program. I want to share with you today a message from North Carolina Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson. And they call this a speech, but I'm calling it a sermon because what you are hearing from this man is truth, is boldness, and he's standing solidly on the foundation of God's holy word. So let us join Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson as he is speaking at a church in Raleigh, North Carolina. overwhelmed and believe it or not I really don't know what to say <laughs> I guess I ought to start like I always start by thanking my Lord Savior Jesus Christ <laughs> you know I, 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 I like it I like the fact that so many people on social media criticize me for saying that I like it Criticize me all you want to. You know, they call me a your Bible thumper. I know you ain't perfect. I remember when this and I remember you're just like everybody else. You're not perfect. That's why I proclaim his name because I am not perfect. Because day by day, minute by minute, I mess up and I need his help to correct me. I need him on my left shoulder. I need him on my right shoulder tapping me saying, hey, stop that. Hey, stop saying that. Hey, stop thinking that. Get back on track. Remember who you are. Remember whose you are and stop that mess. I need him daily. And truth be told, the ones back there typing that mess, they need him worse than I do. So I'm going to keep on saying thank you to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. See, because I'm going to tell you something else, too. See, this nation needs to say thank you, too. See, because we had some founders that got it right. You see, we had uh, Great Britain had a king, a man who sat on a throne that called himself God on earth. But our founders sat down one day and crafted a, a, a document called the Declaration of Independence. And in that Declaration of Independence, they said, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their who? Their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I can almost see God shifting himself up in his seat, saying, what did they say? They didn't say the king. They didn't say the queen. They didn't say the emperor. They said my name. Finally, there's somebody that got it right. This is a nation I can get behind and will get behind. I know they got problems, and I know they got things to sort out, but I'll be right there with them, helping them to do it. So this nation needs to say thank you to him, too. And we need to continue to say thank you to him, because without him, that flag don't fly and that freedom don't mean nothing. Because freedom only exists in Jesus Christ, and that's the beginning of it. So we give thanks to Jesus Christ first and foremost. 
So let me, I'm going to tell you like this real quick. I'm going to tell you, I'm sorry, y'all can have a seat. Have a seat. I'm going to tell my wife something real quick. If, if I go on too long, I need two snaps up, okay? That's our signal. We were supposed to work this out beforehand. Two snaps up if I go on too long. Just stand up. Give me two snaps up. So I'm going to give y'all a short story about my, my, uh, my salvation. Here it is. So I grew up in church. Grew up in the United Church of Christ. Uh, I can tell you right now that without that upbringing, I would not have become the person I became. The church was the first place I saw any normalcy in life. My house was not normal. Uh, we saw a lot of uh, alcoholism in my house. My father was an alcoholic who used to beat my mom. Uh, when I was a little kid, five, six years old, I saw my mom and daddy fight with a claw hammer. Beat each other bloody. Saw my daddy get drunk and pass out in the kitchen. And, uh, there's some stories I could tell you you wouldn't believe. That church was the first place where I ever saw what I considered to be normal folk. I saw black men in there that didn't drink, who had good jobs and had, you know, didn't, didn't beat their wives and they were upstanding people, and I, and I saw them, and I wanted to emulate them. It gave me hope that I could be that way myself. That was the first place where I saw that normalcy was inside that church. And I thank God for the experiences that I had in that church and the mentors that I had in that church, because here it is. I can look back right now in my life and think about some of the things that mentors in that, that church told me when I was a young man. Like, I remember one time in particular, when you think about what's going on right now with all this police stuff on the Black Lives Matter stuff. This man told me one time, a man named Eddie Hargrove told me this. He said, I remember I got my driver's license. He told me, he said, you're going to get your driver's license. When you do, you make sure you keep that driver's license up. Keep it in date. Make sure you keep your tags in date. Make sure you got all the proper papers in your car. And follow the speed limits. Do what you got to do, he said, because those policemen out there, they're not out there looking for black. They're not out there looking for white. They're out there looking for the irresponsible. You don't want to be counted among the irresponsible. If you're going to be a man, you need to be responsible. Now, remember those lessons. Now, my wife will tell you, some of them I didn't remember because... My wife literally used to have to chase me with a rolling pin down there to the DMV to get that tag changed. I was bad about that. I don't do it no more, but she used to. So growing up, that's where I saw my first normalcy, but there was a problem in all that. The whole time I was going to church, I never knew what it meant to be saved. I heard the word, but didn't understand what it meant. And so around the fourth grade, I met this tall, skinny guy, a lot of people might call a nerd. Uh, his name was Wayne Campbell. And uh, me and Wayne became instant friends. It's, I know this a God thing, because as soon as I saw Wayne, I said, I know that guy from somewhere. It just hit me like I knew him my whole life. And we just fell in together automatically and became the best of friends and stayed the best of friends throughout elementary school, junior high school, high school. All right? So we stayed friends, and 
Wayne was a little settled, you know, and he tempered. Me, uh, not so much. I had a wild streak in me, you know, wild as Raul or Raleigh. So. But me and Wayne stayed on the same path. And it came to pass one night that Wayne Campbell called me and said, hey, I need you to come down here to A&T Student Union to hear this preacher. And I said, Wayne, I don't need to come down and hear no preacher. I got a preacher over at St. Stephen's Church. I, don't, I got a church. Why don't I come down there? He said, I need you to come down here. And I said, uh, well, Saturday night, there's a lot of stuff I could be doing on Saturday night. But I guess I'll come down there and go to your church, see what this is all about. So I did. I got in my little Camaro, drove over there to ANC Student Union, went inside, sat down with Wayne Campbell. And I can't tell you who that man was that preached. I can't tell you what he said. I don't remember what the sermon was about. But when I came out of that service, I was a different person. I gave my life that night to Jesus Christ. And I came out there a different person. But here it is. And this is the truth a lot of people don't want to tell, but I'm going to say some stuff tonight you oftentimes won't hear, particularly out of people like me. When I got saved, I didn't get changed automatically. Now, Wayne, whoo, Wayne turned all the way around, said, yes, sir, saluted. He was hardcore. He was all the way out there. Me? Uh, well, I had to take a little different route because I was hard-headed. Hard-headed. I knew what God had for me, and back then even knew what God wanted me to do, but I was running. Didn't want to do it because I was running. So I took a different route, a harder route. I took that route. What's that man's name that got swallowed by that whale? I took the Jonah route. Got swallowed up by a whole lot of whales and spit out too. Made a whole lot of mistakes. Stumbled over a whole lot of logs and rocks and thistles and thorns and briars and got tangled up in a lot of stuff. Never should have got tangled up in. The whole time I was doing that, God was with me. But it was that young man, Wayne Campbell, who had enough guts to stand up, tell his friend that he loved that you need Jesus Christ. Come on down here and come get it. You know, that's what I count as a true mark of friendship. Somebody that will call you out when you need to get called out. To make sure that the most important thing in your life gets secured. And the most important thing in your life that needs securing is not your political health, not your financial wealth. It is your spiritual well-being where you'll spend all of eternity. And he was concerned about that. So he led me down there that meeting, led me to get saved. Now let's fast forward a few years. Standing in the living room of my mama's house again with this same young man, Wayne Campbell. And an individual comes on television, a man, some of y'all might know him, named Rush Limbaugh. He came on television, I looked at television and said, I can't stand that guy. My friend looked at me and said, why don't you like him? I said, because he's a racist. My friend looked at me and said, well, do you know him? <laughs> no, I don't know him. He said, have you ever read in his books. I said, no, I never read any of his books. He said, do you listen to him on the radio? I said, no, I ain't never listened to him on the radio. Well, he said, well, how in the world you know he's a racist? If you don't know him, you ain't never listened to him. I said, because all the people on the TV are saying the man's a racist. Them people ain't crazy. All them saying he's racist, he got to be. My friend looked at me and said, you know what? 
You ought to be smarter than that. He said, plus one time, you know, you told me that the folks on TV say that all black people are thieves and rapists and don't take care of their children. They mischaracterize black folk on television. He said, you told me that. He said, now, if they can be lying about black folks on TV, how you know they ain't lying about Rush Limbaugh? And I got mad at him. I said, well, I ain't going to say nothing else to this guy. I'm going to leave him alone. I'm going to prove him wrong. Went out and I bought a book by Rush Limbaugh. And when I bought, this is a true story. When I bought that book, it was highlighted sitting up on the counter. I grabbed that yellow highlighter. Because my intention was I was going to take that book. I was going to mark everything in that book that I saw that was racist. And I was going to go back to him. I was going to say, see, he said this and this is racist. This is racist and this is racist. I got that book and I was working at Clauston Furniture at the time. And on my break time, I'd read that book. I didn't get through the first chapter before I read that thing and said, oh, my God, I think I must have read, wrote this. This guy's not a racist. This guy's me. I read things in that book that I'd been thinking my entire life since I was a child. The name of the book was The Way Things Ought to Be. And I was reading inside of that book the things that I'd sat in front of the television and looked at the television and said, you know, something about that don't sit right with me. Things that I'd seen in school, I saw it. I said, you know, that's not right. That's not fair. That's not the way that ought to be. He was speaking to that in that book. And again, I found out for myself, and it changed my life because I discovered at that moment who I really was and what I really was. But it would not have been possible had not my friend stood up and challenged me to be better. Same way he challenged me to come down to that church and have my soul saved because he knew it wasn't. Same way he challenged me to stand up and be better. Not follow along the words of fools, but stand along with truth. And find out for myself. And so I count that young man, Wayne Campbell, as part of the reason why I'm here right now. Because he's the reason why I got saved. He led me to salvation. And he led me to discover who I am in this thing called politics. Got politically aware, became politically active. My wife and I both. Now, if y'all want to see somebody that's conservative, see Yolanda Hill at the service. Yolanda Hill Robinson will tell you what a conservative is. She don't play, and I'm glad I got her, because I don't want no wishy-washy partner. So that's how I ended up here. I ended up here because I had somebody in my life that had the courage of his convictions to challenge me to be better. And so then April 3rd came along. April 3rd came along, I had to challenge myself to be better. I had to look, at my, look in the mirror and say, you know, you do an awful lot of talking on Facebook. Yap, 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 type, 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 type on Facebook. Now the time for you to stand up in person, where you at? You know, somebody told me on that day when I was thinking about going down there to that meeting, he looked at me and said, you know, it don't matter whether you go or not because all you're going to do is talk, and talk don't get nothing done. You're going to go down there and talk, and then people are going to do whatever they want to do anyway. And I had to remind him, I said, you know, talking is what Jesus did at the Sermon on the Mountain. Jesus didn't get up there with no M16 and start shooting people down. He got up there and he talked. He raised his voice. The American Revolution didn't start with 
the shot heard around the world. The American Revolution started in taverns and in homes and in churches with people talking, saying, why can't we be free? Why can't there be independence in this land? Why do we have to follow this king? Why can't we have our own nation? Talk gets stuff done. I made up my mind that day I was going to go down there, but I wasn't going to say nothing. But I'm going to tell you something. Once I got down there and heard some of that mess coming out in people's mouths, God wouldn't let me be silent. He made me stand up. And he made me speak. Now, I know what you saw, Bishop Wooten, on that video. Yes, sir. Yeah, you saw that big black man standing up there, pointing, doing this here. But I'm going to show you what you didn't see. Here's what you didn't see. You didn't see from here down. My legs was trembling like a rubber goose. I had no idea what was going on. And when I left the place and walked out there and went home, my wife asked me, said, did you go to the meeting? I said, yes. She said, did you speak? I said, yes. She said, what did you say? I said, I don't know. Didn't have a clue what I said. But that night was a God moment. God put me behind that lectern because I hear this. I truly believe because of those words of the Declaration of Independence, because we've given honor to God in this nation and put him first at every turn. And at every, every time we get in trouble in this nation, we call on him. Because of that, right now in this nation, he sees them demons on CNN and ABC and CBS and all the rest of them, Facebook and Twitter. He's looking dead at them. And he said, you might look out there and you might think ain't nobody coming for you, but I'm raising, I'm raising a regiment right now. I'm raising a regiment right this minute. And on April 3rd, he counted me as one of them and I thank God for it. And so that's how I ended up right here. Now, that's about as political as I'm going to get tonight. Because I am an elected official now. Duly elected, sworn, got a political team and all that. That being said, there are certain things as an elected official that I'm not supposed to say. But I'm going to say them anyway. And somebody might ask me, why are you going to say them anyway? It might cost you your seat. You might cost you some political points from the unaffiliated and uh, the swing voters and all. Uh, you know, you might end up on WRL. Let me tell you something. I'm not worried about but one thing. One thing. When I leave out of here, no matter how it may be, I'm not going to stand in front of WRL. I'm not going to stand in front of CNN. I'm not going to stand in front of no Cuomo or that other little lemon. I'm not going to stand in front of none of them creeps. I'm not going to stand in front of the Supreme Court, a congressman, a senator, the president, nobody else. I'm going to stand in front of God Almighty. And I'm going to give an account for everything that comes out of my mouth and every deed I've done while I'm sat in this seat and any other I may take. And you best believe. I'm not going to miss my chance to say certain things. 
them things them political advisors say you shouldn't say. Now, what are they? Here's one of them right here. That baby in your womb ain't no clump of cells. And if you kill that child, you're guilty of murder. Stop sacrificing your children to Baal and start honoring the fruit of your womb. You know, I heard somebody say it like this. If you don't want to have no fruit in that womb, don't drop your fruit of the looms. Make your choice before you make your choice. This ain't no game. This ain't no game. God is watching this nation. And the most innocent among us are the defenseless and the voiceless in the womb. And we are murdering them with impunity. Yes, I said murdering them with impunity. And let's get down to brass tacks. Who is it that's being murdered? I ain't never drove over through Irving Park in Greensboro seen no Planned Parenthood. I ain't never drove on the, on the rich west side of town where the nice shops are and right in the middle is a Planned Parenthood sitting out. But go down in the ghetto where the poor folk, black folk live. That's where they ply their stock and trade until you come on in here, sacrifice your children to bail. See, because the whole plan from the very beginning was to get rid of them human weeds they called Negroes. You're not hiding it from me. I knew your plans before you made them because God told me. God peeped your whole car before you opened your mouth. We need to be the generation of people that stands up and ends that terrible institution of abortion. And I'm not ashamed to tell you, and I'm not ashamed to tell WRL, abortion is murder. And until we stop it, we're going to have trouble in this nation. We're going to have trouble amongst our people. I'm not afraid to stand up and say abortion is murder. Now, what else is something I, a politician, I'm not supposed to say I'm supposed to be politically correct. See, uh, politically correct, it, it, take the words political, politics. What's in politics? A bunch of double-talking liars and cowards fill the ranks of politicians. They want society to be politically correct. If society is politically correct, guess what it's going to be full of? Double-talking lies who are cowards and refuse to tell the truth. Don't count me among your rights, your ranks, because here's something else I'm not supposed to say. Ain't but two genders. Two genders. Ain't nothing but men and women. And I can already see WRL out there. They got they licking their pencils right now, trying to write fiercely as they can. Get every word of this here. Get every word of this. You can go to the doctor and get cut up. You can go down to the dress shop and get made up. You can go down there and get drugged up. But at the end of the day, you were just a drugged up, dressed up, made up, cut up, man or woman. You ain't changed what God put in you, that DNA. 
You can't transcend God's creation. I don't care how hard you try. The transgender movement in this country, if there's a movement in this country that is demonic and that is full of anti the spirit of antichrist, it is the transgender movement. And this same people going to tell me, you need to believe in global warming. And then they tell me, follow the science. Follow the science. You don't even know what gender you are. What do you know about science? We don't even need science to prove what gender you are. It's two ways I can do this thing here. It's a simple way. We can go around the corner around here to the bathroom. And drop your pants or whatever you got on and I can show you what you are. Or I can take a little blood out your arm and take it down here to the scientist. He can put it in his little Petri dish and look at it. Oh, this is the DNA of a white male. Yes. What is there anything in between? No, it's the DNA of a white male. Don't matter what you did down there at the therapy doctor and all that. Now, let me tell you something. That being said, now, you got the right to do whatever you want to do. We don't live in a theocracy. You got the right to call yourself whatever you want to call yourself. If you want to call yourself a cocker spaniel, go ahead. You want to go down here to the dressmaker and say, make me a cocker spaniel suit that I can fit in. I'm going to put it on. I'm going to run around and bark all the time. Go ahead. You can run around here and be a cocker spaniel all day long, but I ain't got to follow you in your delusion. When I see you, I ain't going to say, there go that cocker spaniel. I'm going to say, there go that weirdo in that dog suit. That man thinks he's a dog, but he's, a, he's not really a dog. He's a man. You're right, sir. It's time for grown-ups and time for Christians to start standing up and being unafraid to tell the truth. Come after me if you want to. I don't care. You want my head? Here it is right here. Come on, come get it. I don't care because it's time for us to stand up. Now I'm not afraid to stand up and tell the truth about that issue. They're dragging our kids down into the pit of hell, trying to teach them that mess in our schools. Tell you like this, that ain't got no place at no school. Two plus two don't equal transgender. It equals four. We need to get back to teaching them how to read. Instead of teaching them how to go to hell. Yeah, I said it and I mean it. All right, folks. Well, if you're just now joining us, you may be asking yourself, who is this preacher? But this is actually a politician. This is Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson of North Carolina. And he is speaking at a church in Raleigh, North Carolina. And again, a politician, but he is speaking truth. He's standing on the truth of God's holy word. And if you're not familiar with Mark Robinson, he is a black man. And what you cannot see is this church that he's speaking in is a predominantly black church. It's approximately 2000 people in attendance and 99% of those people are black. And so he is speaking truth. And, and you can see that the, the media today, the, the leftists, the, the liberal media, they don't like this kind of truth 
because they're trying to brainwash people into going against the ways of God. But we're going to pause for a brief announcement, but please don't go away. On the other side of the break, we're going to come back with the conclusion of this powerful, powerful sermon from Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson of North Carolina. Don't go away. You are tuned into the God First program. You are listening to God First. If you believe in what we stand for at God First Bible Fellowship, would you consider partnering with us? Our God First Partners program is based on Matthew 6:33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. For a recurring donation of $6.33 per month, you can help us share the message of placing God's commands first when viewing the issues of our culture. Please visit our website, godfirst.org, or write to us at God First Bible Fellowship, P.O. Box 266, Nightdale, North Carolina, 27545 for more information. Now, let's return turn to the conclusion of today's program. Welcome back to the program. As today, we are listening to Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson of North Carolina. He is speaking at a church in the city of Raleigh. And again, I'm calling this a sermon because he is speaking truth. He's standing on the truth of God's holy word. And he is not bashful. He is not backing down because he says at the end of everything, at the end of his life, he's going to answer to God almighty not man. So let us continue to listen to the conclusion of, again, this powerful sermon by North Carolina Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson. Now, here's something else. Here's something else I'm, I'm not supposed to say. Now, I'm not supposed to say this because I'm an elected official and it's not politically correct. But when it comes time to stand on somebody's side between the criminal and the police... Believe I'm going to ride with the police. See, I had somebody on social media get mad at me one time because I said, instead of us concentrating on the headache of police brutality, we need to be dealing with the cancer of systemic violence in black neighborhoods. Young black men and women murdering each other with drugs and guns and knives and baseball bats. Killing each other over, killing each other over corners they don't even own themselves. That's the issue we need to be dealing with. And they got mad and said, well, how you going to call police brutality just a headache? I think that's a little understatement there. A headache. I don't think that's quite right. Now, I had to stop them right in their tracks and explain it to them. Look here. Police brutality is a headache. Here's why. A headache can be many things. A headache could just be a headache because you hangry and you ain't had enough to eat. I get them sometimes. All you need to do is pop a couple of aspirins and eat you a good meal. Your headache is gone. Or a headache could be called you don't have to sit in the Senate all day and listen to people talk about why we ought to be able to kill babies. That'll give you a headache. Or, you know, you get that stress headache from that, you go home, take a cup of Tylenol, stress, lay down, headache gone. Or, a headache could be a migraine. Y'all know them ain't no joke. 
You might need to go to the doctor for that migraine and get a prescription to take care of. Or worst case scenario, that headache might be a symptom of a brain tumor. You need to get down there real quick to that oncologist and that surgeon and have some surgery done. See, police brutality could be any of those things. It might just be one man on the force that just needs to be removed. It might be two or three. It might be one squad. Or it might be the whole unit needs to be wiped out. But the one thing about it is this. You can't ignore a headache. No matter what cause it came from. And you can't ignore police brutality. Whether it be one man or the whole squad, you can't ignore it. But here's what you don't do. When you get a headache, you don't cut your head off. And when you find police brutality, you don't defund the police. You stand with the police and defend the police and help the police get them bad actors out of their ranks so they can get back out there and start dealing with that cancer we got. That's right. Why you think these criminals out here are so bold these days? They bold because the church is silent, the city council is complicit, and the police are handcuffed. And they know it. Time for us to stand up and start speaking the truth. You need to get down there to that police station as good citizens and say, what do you need from us to do your job better? What do you need from us to do your job better? And to get them bad guys out your ranks and make sure you can get back out there and stop them drug dealers and them prostitutes. And them people out there that's just perpetually victimizing their own neighborhoods. You see, this kind of talk gets me into trouble with my own people. With my own people. Somebody told me one time, said, you know, people are going to hate you just because of the color of your skin. I told them, I said, more people are going to hate me that's got the same color skin that I got because I think different than they do. They asked me, they said, why are you so hard on black people? Why are you so hard? Why you got to insult black people? I ain't insult nobody. I'm just telling the truth. Want to know the truth? I'm telling the truth in love because I love black folk. I love our story of survival. See, some people think I ought to be ashamed when you talk about. Ought to be ashamed when you talk about the Middle Passage. Folks chained together in their own waist in the belly of wooden ships coming over here to be slaves on sugar plantation and cotton plantations, planting indigo and rice. We ought to be shamed. I'm not ashamed that my ancestors came over here in their own filth, chained together in the bottom of them ships. Because you know what it tells me? Most people wouldn't survive the trip. Not only did we survive the trip, we have survived everything that came after the trip. We are strong and powerful people who have proven our metal in this nation. That flag that flies has got blood on it, and for every drop of blood on it, 10 drops of blood belong to us. We ain't got nothing to be ashamed of. 
You ask me why I am like I am, I am like I am because here it is. I'm looking at kings and queens and lions and lionesses and you're acting like slaves and sheep. And it's got to stop. It's got to stop. Somebody might say, well, you know, we're supposed to be sheep. You're supposed to be a sheep. You're supposed to be meek and mild as a lamb. You're supposed to be meek and mild and a lamb as a, as a sheep to the shepherd. But to the wicked that oppose you, you are supposed to be as bold as a lion. You're supposed to stand unafraid. Ready to do battle for your God who bought you through that middle passage. Bought you through those slaves plantations. Bought you through Jim Crow. And will bring you past critical race theory and Black Lives Matter. That same God that took us out those slave plantations will take our young women out of these abortion clinics. You better stand and be bold. Stop letting these folks tell you you're a victim. Your history tells you you are a victim. Because you done threw everything you could at me. And I'm still here. I'm still standing. I ain't took a knee yet. Ain't been no standing eight count. My mouthpiece is still in and my fists are still up. I ain't nobody's victim. I'm a victim of the Jesus Christ. The God that I serve makes me a victim. It's time for us to stand up and claim our birthright as kings and queens and lions and lionesses and not sheep and slaves. That's not who we were born to be. And that's not what our ancestors left to us. It's time for us to walk into it. And there's some other stuff I'm not supposed to say either. You know, some other stuff I'm not supposed to say. I'm not, I'm not supposed to say stuff about them guns. You know, I'm not supposed to say everybody, you know, it's all right for you to own a gun. I'm, I'm supposed to be telling people, you know, we ain't supposed to have guns because guns kill people. Guns kill people. Pe guns, they kill people. And if we get rid of guns, people quit killing each other. Go ahead and tell you like this. Cain uh, didn't handle guns. It had not been invented yet. Matter of fact, the way I read my Bible, God didn't even mention the weapon Cain used. He just said he slew him. And then when it was time for God to issue the punishment, you know what I love? I love this thing that people love to talk to me. Uh, I, you be your brother's keeper. Be your brother's keeper. You, you, you need to be your brother's keeper. The biblical principle of being your brother's keeper. Look here. Being your brother's keeper that was said something by a smart aleck who was defying God. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Let me say that again. Being your brother's keeper is something that's said by a murdering smart aleck who was defying God, smarting off to God right in his face about the brother he had killed. And when it was time for God to speak, God didn't say, no, you are your brother's keeper. No, 
He didn't come out and say, you know, you really shouldn't use that AR-15 to slay your brother. We need to get rid of automatic weapons. They're killing our children. God looked at Cain and said, the ground cries out with your brother's blood. And then he commenced to issuing the sentence against Cain. It's time for us to get back to that principle. See, I got four, Joe Biden and all the rest. I want you to know this. I got four AR-15s in my house. If you want them, come get them, but you're going to have a hard time. That ain't going easy. And I ain't ashamed to say it. Not supposed to say that. I'm, a, I'm an elected official. I'm a politician. But it's time for us to get back to put, putting the blame where it go. The blame don't go on the gun. The blame go on the one holding the gun. I guarantee you right now, you can get rid of every gun in America, every gun in the world. Guess what's still going to exist? Murder. Worst acts of mass murder committed on this planet, been committed without guns. Genghis Khan didn't have no guns. Jeffrey Dahmer didn't use no guns. Them hijackers on 9-11 didn't have no guns. Timothy McVeigh in Oklahoma didn't have no gun. Wasn't no gun, that's right, wasn't no, woo, wasn't no gun at Hiroshima. Woo, Lord, it sure wasn't. Gun is not the problem. Part problem is the hearted man is the problem. I want you to think about this. Same people who are going to tell you that you shouldn't have an AR-15. Same people are going to tell me as a 53-year-old Army veteran who's been trained by some of the finest people in how to handle weapons, going to tell me that I don't have enough sense to own an AR-15. That same people going to turn around and tell a five-year-old they can determine their gender. If that don't tell you what kind of chaos we're living in, you better check the name on some of these people we pushing at the ballot box. You better find out what it is they believe in. Because I can guarantee you some of them up there in Washington, some of them in Raleigh, some of them on your city council, if they had their way right now, they'd march in here and throw us all in chains, throw us out of here and burn this building to the ground. The young lady was up here talking about the separation of church and state. You know why people talk about that? They don't talk about it because they don't want uh, politics in the church. They don't want the church in politics. Well, they know if the church comes up in it, the real church, the church of Jesus Christ comes up in it, he's going to drag a little pesky thing called the truth with him. And then them politicians and they spin doctors going to stop having, well, I'm not really sure what to say about it. Let me, consult, let me circle back on that. See, we need people in office who understand when you get up there to heaven and you stand before the Almighty, 
Your little political consultant ain't going to be up there with you telling you what to say. Little spin doctors, they ain't going to be here. You ain't going to be able to stand up there and spout off no critical race theory to God Almighty. You ain't going to be able to stand up there and say, well, you know, I would have done better, but that white man, that white man treated me so bad when I was on earth. I can almost hear God looking at you saying, you know what? We ain't here to talk about that white man. Uh, he'll be here in April. Uh, 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 you, sir, are here right now. And I'm not here to talk about how he treated you. I'm here to talk about how you reacted to his retreatment of you and what you did for your neighbors and what you did for your family and what you did for me in my name. all this stuff I'm not supposed to be saying this as no elected official but again I have said this over and over again I don't care about no politics politics ain't gonna get you into heaven now it will get you into hell you better believe it will It'll get you into hell with some gasoline drawers on See, because my ultimate mission in life, I want y'all to hear me when I say this. I'm not going to shy away from this. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an elected official. I am a Republican. I am a proud Republican. But here it is. Before I ever got in this thing, I made a commitment to myself that the one thing I want to do above everything else is lead people to Jesus Christ. See, because the greatest decision you'll make on this earth is not whether or not you're a Republican or a Democrat or a liberal or a conservative. It's whether or not you're going to go to heaven or whether or not you're going to go to hell. Whether or not you're going to follow God or whether or not you're going to follow the world. You see, because I'm not here to try to drag you kicking and screaming towards the GOP, the DNC, or any of them other things. I'm here to drag you kicking and screaming Towards G-O-D. That's who we need to have our eyes on. You can't do nothing else without it. You got to make sure in any endeavor that you do, the first thing you put is what my mama used to say. My mama used to tell us all the time, you can do anything you want to do. Anything. The only thing you need to do is put your hand in God's hand and let him lead the way. If we do those things, we don't have to be afraid. We can stand. We can stand boldly, righteously, like a lion, like a lioness. Proclaim the truth and not be afraid. The ultimate mission is to lead people to Jesus Christ. If we can get them there, all these other problems we talked about tonight, they'll solve themselves. So that's what I want to leave you here with tonight. I stand here tonight because of Jesus Christ. I stand here tonight for Jesus Christ. Let's move together and continue to fight for Jesus Christ and fight for his word and spread his word and do his gospel. God bless you all. God bless this church and God bless the great state of North Carolina. Thank you.
Wow, wow, wow. I tell you, how can you not love it? The ultimate mission is to point people to Jesus Christ. Stand up and proclaim the truth. That is the word of this great man, North Carolina Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson. And, and you can see why I said in the beginning that I'm not calling this a speech. I'm calling this a sermon because he is standing and speaking the truth of God's holy word. And I love the fact that although he stated he is a Republican, but he said that is not his ultimate mission in life. His ultimate mission in life is to point people to Jesus Christ. And that is the reason why I wanted to share this message with you is not to get political, because as you heard him say in his message, it was not a, politi a political message. It was about standing on the truth of God's word. And I just love the fact that this man is not ashamed. He's not willing to back down because he said at the end of life, he's going to have to give an account before almighty God and not only him, but we all will. And so he's not afraid of what the media pundits are going to say to him. He's not afraid about losing votes, losing support, losing donors, because he knows that a million years from now, when he is in eternity, that his rewards level is going to be determined by what he did in this life for the Holy Word of God Almighty. And it is my desire, folks, that here this man is a politician. It is my desire that preachers would be willing to be this bold, because I have to be honest with you. You do not hear this in most pulpits today in our nation. The average pulpit, you do not hear these kinds of topics being discussed out of fear because of fear of man, out of fear of what would happen, that people will will leave the church, that people will stop giving all kinds of things. But here this man says, ultimately, he is going to give an account before almighty God for the deeds, what he did in this life with his word. So I love this man, Mark Robinson, and what he is doing, what he is standing for. Again, a politician, the lieutenant governor of North Carolina. And the fact that, uh, you know, he mentioned, and, and another reason I wanted to share this, this secondarily is the, the liberal media wants you to believe that there are no blacks out there who think like this man, Mark Robinson. And then when they do find one like Mark Robinson, they try to make you believe, well, he's the only one. But as I said earlier, this church that he was speaking in is a predominantly black church. There were approximately 2000 blacks at the church and you could hear them in the message cheering him on. And, and they were standing pretty much the entire time cheering him on in agreement. And I, and I wanted to share that because not all of us are, are buying into the agenda of the liberal media, but they want you to think that that we all are, are going along with their agenda, but we're not. And that is because we are, there are those of us who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are a believer in the truth. And that is what we stand upon. So again, I thank this, this great man of North Carolina, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson for sharing this great truth. And I hope it's an inspiration to you because as I've, I've stressed that this is a message he's speaking to a predominantly black church and he's black himself. So he was speaking a uh, uh, to a lot of issues that, that are really in the forefront for blacks. But at the same time, this message is not just a black message. This message is for everyone because the truth, 
The Bible says that when John in the book of Revelation, when he looked into heaven, into the future, he saw the Bible says a representative from every tongue, from every tribe, from every nation. And so everyone is going to be in the kingdom. There is going to be a representative of all people, all ethnic groups in the kingdom of our almighty Lord. And so we look forward to that day when this truth will be proclaimed throughout the entire world and God's glory will fill the entire earth. So before I close for today, I want to just have a prayer and I want you to, to touch in agreement with me in the spirit to pray again, not just for blacks, but for everyone that have not received Christ and who are rejecting the truth that they will come to, to know and to receive our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ, so that they might inherit eternal life and turn against these wicked forces that are trying to drive our nation further and further away from God. So with you, please bow with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time together. We thank you, Lord God, for raising up this man, Mark Robinson, to be so bold, Lord, to be a lion who is willing to speak your truth, who is a lover of your truth, who is a lover of you. And he says his mission, Lord God, is to point people to you, our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is my desire, Lord, that we all have that same truth, that we all have that same boldness, that we all have that same conviction that that is the number one goal in this life, not to to be popular, not to 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 win a an election, not to hold positions of power, not to have a lot of money, not to have a lot of fame. But our number one goal in life, Lord, my desire is that we would have a heart for you to point individuals to you to come into your kingdom. And so I just pray, Lord, that this message would inspire others, Lord, to be willing to stand for the truth in the midst of this pagan society, to be like the Hebrew boys in the, the pagan nation of Babylon when they would not bow, they would not bend the knee to the wickedness but instead they stood for you even if it meant going into a fiery furnace and you delivered them lord encourage everyone today lord to be willing to do the same that whether you choose to deliver or not that we are going to go into the presence of you for all of eternity and so lord it is my prayer that you would prick hearts lord prick minds to stand for the truth in these last and evil days we know, Lord, you said how things would be in the world before you come back, before you return for your people. And Lord, we see these things all around us. So we, so we know, Lord, the time is near. But you told us, Lord, not to grow weary. You told us not to fear. But instead, you said to look up and watch for your Redeemer draws near. And so, Lord, we are looking forward to the day when you are going to come back for us. And until then, Lord, we occupy until you return and we stand boldly on the truth of your holy word. So, Lord, we pray today again that all hearts and minds out there, that they would come to know you as Lord and Savior and receive eternal life. So, Lord, as we depart from here, we give you honor, Lord. We give you glory. We give you the praise in your mighty name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, folks, that's going to do it for today. I want to thank you for tuning in. Please come back again and join us next week as we continue to encourage you to put God first while viewing life through the window of the Bible. Until then, remember to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, bless God's great nation of Israel, and to the only wise God, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the God First program. 
Please come back and join us next week as we continue to encourage you to put God first while viewing life through the window of the Bible. Until next time, remember to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, bless God's great nation of Israel, and seek first the kingdom of God.